Okay, welcome back Soil Nation into the Soil Nation headquarters. We're recording live here today with John Greiner from Castrain. As always, my co-host Mitch Hora uh, with Continual Magnus Consulting here in Washington County. And uh, I'm trying to stout a stout seed in Ainsworth, Iowa. Uh, so we've been getting a tremendous amount of commotion. There's been a lot in the news lately about the Chinese tariff situation. So we wanted to bring in a specialist uh, for you to talk about that and maybe work through some of the questions that you might be having um, surrounding what's going on. Yeah, what do we right? <laughs> are so, we doomed or not? Yeah. So um, John Greiner from Cats Grain is here with us uh, today. You can find information on John at www.catsgrain.com has a really good website. We encourage you to go there and, and check that out. You guys have markets and we'll get into a little bit more of what's on that website here. And you also do a commentary on there, don't you, John? Yep, yep, yep. it's katsgrain.com. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Good point. Good point. Good point. No, you yeah. know, I just, that's how I was Yeah, going. okay, yeah. yep. K-A-T-S, yeah, there you go. Um, so, John, why don't you just fill us in a little bit about maybe your backstory and how you got to be Well, uh, so I went to Coe College in Cedar Rapids, uh, graduated in 2006, went to work for ADM, uh, did a couple, three, uh, three different locations in oil seed processing and grain division. Uh, then went into business with Katie, my mom, in uh, October of 07 and been with Cat's Grain since, and she started the grain business in 2002. Um, we basically specialize in sourcing corn needs for our pork producers here, uh, three county radius, and then also buy corn direct from the farmer and move that to processors or uh, other markets. Sure. Um, so that's kind of our core business, and then um, uh, we uh, I became a broker in May of 2009. I'm sorry, March of 2009, and and that's been growing. And then we also got into the crop insurance um, business three years ago. So, yeah, uh, interesting times. Let's just say that I would say when we came into uh, well, I woke up at three in the morning on must have been Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, and got the Saw the headline online that China had imposed tariffs on U.S. soybeans, corn products, airplanes, all that good stuff. Mm. And uh, yeah, so it's been an interesting that Wednesday seeing the markets instantly down. I think corn was down 16 cents at three in the morning. Beans were down uh, 50, 48 or 50 cents at that time. Um, so you saw, and then also an interesting thing was that was a record trade volume for the overnight trade no, well. uh, Wednesday morning mm -hmm. uh, before most people were awake. So, so as far as trade, like export from the U.S. going other places, or what's no, the trade um, record trade volume uh, means number of corn and soybean contracts traded on oh, the okay. yeah, sure. Had nothing to do with export sales. Yeah, but so just buying trade. and selling, mostly selling, obviously shorting yeah. corn and soybean futures when that news hit. Yeah, hmm. and so we've heard a lot of talk about shorting soybean futures and. Uh, was, do you have any just general thoughts or comments on that? Because a lot of people would say, you know, taking a short contract on December soybeans might be a pretty good idea right now. What's your overall thoughts there? Well, first people would need to know what short short 
positions are. People like me. People like me. A lot of people, (laughs) you know, outside of the marketing world don't probably understand what a short position is. They hear it on the radio or hear it on TV or whatever. Um, But there's, if you're going to take a position, either buy or sell uh, any commodity, um, you're either going to be long or you're going to be short. And so what that means is you don't have to, you know, a lot of us think, oh, you know, I'm going to buy soybeans or buy corn. You know, I'm actually buying physical. No, you're just buying a basically a commodity asset, a contract, and you can do the same, the opposite. You can sell it. People say, well, what do you mean sell it? I don't own any corn. I don't own any soybeans. And that's okay. You can actually take the short position, meaning you're betting that the market's going to go down. So if you short say November soybeans, uh, I think they close probably around um, 10.30 roughly today. Um, You can short November soybeans, betting the market's gonna go down, and then let's just say November soybeans drop 30 cents, you could actually buy that back to wash out your position at $10. So that would be a 30 cent gain. Right. Uh, So on one contract, one contract is 5,000 bushel. So that would be a $1,500 gain, essentially. So when we had a high trade volume, like we saw Wednesday morning, uh, we, we were seeing speculative sellers kind of sure. the market. Uh, the funds would be taking short bets. And so we saw a big volume there, yeah. uh, short sellers, and the funds are actually holding net long positions right now. They have to report that once a week, every Friday, what their, what their position is. So. Um, where they're holding a net long position right now, we also saw them offsetting those positions. Okay. So, so and and when you talk about them, who is the them that you're talking about that's moving a lot of this stuff? So the funds is another term you would hear quite a bit. And what the funds are is managed money hedge funds. Yeah. Um, if you are a, let's just say you're a billionaire investor, right. millionaire investor, doesn't matter. Yeah and you don't want to manage your money, but you want it to go to work for you, you would hire a fund manager or uh, an investment firm to, you would say, hey, okay, here, you have discretion over my funds. I want you to earn me a a return on my money. uh, And so then it's up to the fund manager where to put that money. Now he may put that into, likely puts it into a mixed bag, a diversified portfolio, but a certain percentage of that portfolio would likely be in commodities. And so let's just say 10 or 50, let's just say this fund manager is managing a couple billion dollars. He might have 200 million set aside that he is going to take bets on a certain commodity. And in this case, we're talking about soybeans. Right. Um, so that since he is a managed fund, a managed, he has to report his net position once a week. Yeah. And that's just a, a law that the CFTC sets. The CFTC is the governing body of, of commodities. Um, so they report those once a week. And so those are the funds. Okay. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting, you know, before we go too far, I think I forgot yeah. to say at the beginning, we're recording this on Friday. Right, right. So if we're talking about any numbers as we get into markets here, uh, we're talking about... Realize things will change between when we, yeah, that we're filming this on Friday and not going to right. post and it. And there's, with the volatility, a lot can change by Monday. Absolutely. Tuesday, or Tuesday, or Wednesday, or Thursday sure. when you're listening to this. So, yeah. Um, Okay, so shorting the soybean market overall, what's your thoughts then? I guess we understand what shorts are in right. a sense here. I mean, there is a idea out there that you buy corn right now and short mm-hmm. soybeans. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that 
really looked like a, quite the good thing. Me and Trent talked yesterday about that, and that really looked like the great idea, the great thing to do, and it, and, uh, it very well still might be. Uh, however, I think um, July soybean futures today closed at 1046. Um, you'll see on my comment page, um, John's comments on our website, that um, I would be... I think I'm okay shorting soybeans right now up here because we have bounced 50 cents from that low Wednesday morning. Soybeans have come up 50 cents. But what's interesting here, since we have put out these tariffs, you know, they're going to tariff 25% of our soybean value on any incoming U.S. soybeans. What's happened here just in the last 48 hours, especially yesterday, is Brazil and Argentina values, the, their basis values internally in that country have skyrocketed. Mm. So like right now, let's just say a farmer wants to sell beans for April delivery cash. Right. He's probably dealing with a 40 under basis, a 40 under July futures basis yeah. roughly. What's happened is down there since all of a sudden in the matter of one announcement from the Chinese, their basis, let's just say was for example 40 under, which I'm not sure on that exact value, but all of a sudden the demand for Brazil and Argentina beans from the Chinese just skyrocketed. So they're dealing with much higher internal values. Right. So the price of a world buyer to buy soybeans from Argentina or Brazil just, just went crazy, just went nuts. Mm. So now all of a sudden, if you are another country outside of the United States or China that is a buyer, a world buyer of soybeans or soy products, your price, if you want to get them from Brazil or Argentina, just skyrocketed. So are you going to buy a more, much, much more expensive product from Brazil, or are you going to take the much cheaper product out of the United States? Sure. And so where the idea of, oh, you know, shit, soybeans are tariffed here, right. um, U.S. soybeans are tariffed, it did not change the world's supply and demand. It's still there. So what's going on here is... Beans have bounced significantly off their lows because all of a sudden U.S. soybeans are now cheap in the world. Right. So can China, you know, find alternative, you know, ways to, can they find alternative feed uses from soybean meal or can they find alternative oils from soybean oil? Yes, they can. And that's what's probably bearish world demand uh, over the long haul if these tariffs stay. Um, but when all of a sudden we have a very cheap product and our export sales up to date are in line with USDA projections, I think one has to be met with caution getting overly bearish soybeans, uh, especially when our planting intentions for 2018 were 2 million acres below what the trade was thinking yeah. when we came into that last report, March, I think it was last Thursday. So. Anyway, uh, I, I, yeah, to answer your question, I think July soybeans can be shorted for probably a 25 cent gain. I wouldn't get more bearish than that. Right. Hmm. And, if, and actually, correct me if I'm wrong, just going back to this, shorting versus buying, when you buy, you want the price to go up because that's how you make money. Yeah, so you're, you're buying shorting, it right now, saying it's going to go up. When yeah. you're shorting it, you're saying it's going to go to down. Go down. Right, so you're betting against correct. it going up. You know, I mean, that's a very simple term. Right. But, so, okay, so soybeans, most people hedge their corn with soybeans or vice versa, right? If I'm going to go buy a soybean contract, I typically buy, what is it, two to one? Is that typical ratio? Um, you're talking about putting on a spread trade, but yeah. it's overall, 
I wouldn't say a farmer puts on a spread trade betting that corn's going to rally versus soybeans. That would be a speculative move. Okay, so I did read your comments for the day. Mm-hmm. It sounds pretty optimistic. In your opinion, it sounds like buying corn right mm-hmm. now. So you want to explain maybe a little bit on what you're... Sure. And so, so the big topic and the headline, I don't care if you're interested in investing in stocks um, or in the agricultural world. The number one headline right now is Donald Trump versus China. Uh, It's U.S. tariffs on Chinese goods versus Chinese tariffs on U.S. goods. And so obviously, I think the Dow last time I saw was down 600 points. Um, Obviously, when we don't, you know, if if the Chinese, if we're going to tariff Chinese goods coming in, that's naturally going to make our durable goods, our products probably a little bit more expensive, mm-hmm. um, especially on the technology side. That's one thing we're really hitting is uh, whether it be their TVs or computer chips, semiconductors I've read. Um, tariffing those coming in is probably going to make our devices a little bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I guess where I'm going with this is if you're looking for an outlet that seems stable. Um, obviously, the stock market right now does not feel stable yeah. if we're talking about maybe a slowdown in growth. Um, if you look at the supply and demand tables in the world, uh, corn stocks to use ratio right now is the lowest it's been since 2008. So that means our actual world ending stocks mm-hmm. and compare that against what we're using in the world mm-hmm. is as low as it's been since 2008. So, we have a tremendous, and then here, this last Thursday, we had a report from the USDA that we're gonna plant two million less corn acres than we had a year ago. So it's just backwards from what really should happen if we were to maintain corn futures below $4. And right now, July corn, I think, settled at 397. So if we're gonna maintain prices down here, there puts a tremendous amount of pressure on not only the US coming crop year, but also Brazil just got done planting their safrina crop, their second season corn. Mm-hmm. And why that's important is because that's two thirds of their overall production. Um, right now their forecast is dry. The next two weeks, the southern two thirds of the country is dry. Over 50% of their growing areas expect not to get any rain. That's fine, they have plenty of moisture. However, they're gonna need follow up rains, not forecast. Uh, Obviously, we don't have the most spectacular start to the U.S. planting season. Historically, the top uh, corn yields nationally come in in the years where we get the crop planted in the quickest fashion. That's obviously not going to happen this year. Um, So we have a lot of reasons to be supportive of corn. And so the reason I'm recommending buying corn here is because I think we have a fundamental value. I think we have a fundamental reason to see a trend higher, especially until we have quite a few uncertainties answered. And the reason it's not susceptible to Chinese tariff talk, which is derailing every market known to man right now, is because we don't sell any corn to China. They do import a very small amount, in in the big picture, a small amount of our DDGs and our ethanol. But in the big picture, the United States only exports 15% of its total corn crop. And out of that 15%, none of it goes to China. Yeah, most is Mexico. Uh, Mexico is the number one. They import 28% of our exports. Japan would be number two. Okay. So um, they're not even on the board. Um, And so where we have quite a few things uh, to support the market, obviously Chinese tariffs. 
you know, scarce things that could lead to a little tiny downtick. I see it as nothing more than buying opportunity uh, if they retaliate over the weekend. Uh, if our forecast for planting looks a little bit more warmer, drier come Monday morning, wouldn't be surprised to see seven or eight cents down in corn. I think it's a buying opportunity just because we have fundamental value and it looks like every other market is sure. higher than certain. So. so what what contract out there in the futures do you think is most attractive at this point? I, I think if someone's willing to speculate, I would stay with July. Um, if a farmer's looking to re-own some corn uh, that he's been selling, I would stay with July. Um, I'm okay with owning futures. Uh, I'd definitely be okay with maybe if your guy's not comfortable with the risk, maybe just buying some July $4 calls. I think they're probably around 13, 14 cents tonight. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Hmm. So what do you think? Okay, so we talked about corn, we've talked about soybeans a little bit, but what about the livestock markets here? I mean, how do you see this playing in uh, to the hog market, which is big here in Washington County, or even, you know, into the cow futures? Or? Well, they've already reacted. Okay. Um, they came out with these tariffs on U.S. pork, I want to say, how was it, two weeks ago? Um, and as soon as that came out, the, the hog market was already on a nice steady downtrend. I don't mean to call it nice, but and then when that news came out, it really plummeted. And so it, uh, we saw some short covering yesterday. It took another beat down again today. Uh, it looks like it's trying to form a bottom. But yeah, we do export a decent amount of U.S. pork. I, I think only around eight, seven or eight percent of our U.S. pork goes to China. Mm-hmm. I mean. It's nowhere near our soybeans. Twenty-four percent of our U.S. soybean production goes to China, um, but uh, it you know seven percent. Um, you know, it's it's a decent amount, but is sure. it a crucial amount? No, not necessarily. Um, as far as beef goes, we don't export any beef to China. Um, they approved U.S. beef to be able to export. We haven't sent any over there of significance. So uh, it's speculation there in the meat markets. I think the biggest thing that's hurt beef uh, is just overproduction. Um, there's just been more cattle kept back, more breeding. Uh, same with hogs. I mean, a lot of the supply numbers. Sure. Uh, but also the big dip in the financials is just mentally going to tell the traders that people are going to buy less beef. Um, as long, you know, it's just this little scary chatter, but when it comes to the markets, I don't, you know, the meat markets, I don't think I should be panicking here. Um, I've actually had some people selling cash hogs into this. I mean, just selling cash, meaning they're ready to go, they got to get rid of them, asking me if they should be owning some topside protections because they hate to sell into this time of down. Right. And, and here, you know, we're seasonally, we tend to find a bottom right now. I say absolutely. You know, as long as, as, long as you're okay with the risk and you're, if you're selling cash into this, it seems like things couldn't be any more negative. You know, eventually someday people are going to go back out and grill again. Someday people are going to go back out and, and you know, consume more. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, this is not a time to panic sell. And if you do have to sell into this, I would be against selling either some calls or, or re-earning the futures in here, as long as you understand the risk. Sure. Hmm. This is some wild stuff. Yeah, this right. is, like, all stuff for me. I just, like, sit back here and listen to, like, I mean, I took a class on this up at Iowa State, but it's still, like, wow, this is, like... Just crazy stuff on as my aim on a farmer that when it's time to sell, I we call up Katie and say, "Hey, we gotta sell." You know, the markets are look good. Hey, we're gonna sell it on this day or whatever. You know, send the trucks and that's about it. You know, but there's so much more to it and a lot more of the game that you can that you can play if you want to really learn about it. 
And so that's what's interesting to me to talk about what are all those other options and ways to to get around it. Because when we're talking about you know marketing grain and stuff, a lot of times it's, you're selling into the market and then it kind of, it is what it is. Right. And you can maybe, you know, you can do things a little smarter so you can get the mm-hmm. best dollars you can. Um, but we've been talking a lot about how do you take control of more of that on your own mm-hmm. with direct marketing kind of stuff. It being one place to try to get a better dollar figure if you're kind of marketing into special markets on your own. So that's one way to try to get a better bottom line. Other way is, yeah, to do some of these options and whatnot. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's risk to all of that, of course. So interesting just to, you know, to talk about how that all works. So as a reminder, we're talking with John Griner from Cat's Green. Cat's Green is located in Washington, Iowa. You can find a lot of information on their website. Yeah. Cat's Green, K-A-T-S, Green.com. So there's a comment out there that we hear quite a bit in that we have the world's greatest producers and sometimes the world's worst marketers when it comes to farmers. Mm -hmm. So maybe just like what's John's basics for a guy to understand right now maybe as he's you know if you were going to give somebody advice that was a new farmer that was okay this is how just some things that you can do to really try to try to be better at marketing mm-hmm. well, rather than just always dumping when you yeah. need cash right sure. so um, maybe do you have anything that you'd pass along just on some yeah and it doesn't have to be overly complicated and I and this isn't to try to advertise really isn't but on our website you, we have, I post the latest supply and demand tables and I think when it comes to marketing your commodity you are a grain producer yeah so your business your job is to understand your own fundamentals right to understand your market it's like if you work at a factory you understand you're supposed to be at work from this time to this time and you understand your, what you're going to get paid so different your farmers just a little different your hours aren't set, but your fundamentals are always changing. So, I mean, it's just kind of a, the biggest thing I would recommend is to, to know the supply and demand. We post those tables that the USDA comes out with once a month. Understand supply and demand. Understand what our carryouts are. Understand what our usage is. Um, we have that on our website. Um, I post the world uh, supply and demand tables for corn and beans. Uh, I have the U.S domestic supply and demand tables on there, you know, what our usages are for corn beans, whether that be exports, soybean crush, feed usage, whatever. So get a hold of that. Um, we do offer uh, cash grain customers text message services where four times a day we'll text out what the markets are doing. It's not that you need to always be on the cutting edge of what the market's doing, but we do send out weekly export sales. You know, know if we're selling what the market expects. Um, we do text out these USDA reports, you know, what the market's expecting versus what it actually was reported. Um, have it, uh, you can also access the NOAA, uh, the National Weather Service, six to 10 day, eight to 14 day forecast. Those models change once a day. Take a look at those. Um, you know, know your seasonalities. I mean, obviously right now, cool and wet would be supported or bullish the market. Uh, but yet, and you know, if we once we get into July, cool and wet would be absolutely bearish. I mean, have an idea what the the weather forecasts are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also have access to the drought monitor. Mm-hmm. Have an idea, you know. Is it, uh, and then I also have access to maps on where 
the main you know, uh, the map of the United States, where the corn acres are, where the soybean acres are. Then look at the drought monitor, see if those areas are dry or not. Are they forecasted to get rain? I mean, so there's a lot of simple tools that can all be accessed from our website. Um, so just have an idea on the weather, where the, where the key acres are, um, your supply and demand, and then just, you know, subscribe to our texts. Right. And just uh, to me, and then and then the market's going to tell you yeah. itself. And you have it. And I always tell people, know your bottom line. Mm-hmm. You know, know know what your cost per bushel is. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you're figuring new crop, plug in your APH. Most people carry crop insurance anyway, so plug in your five-year APH. Know your input cost. Know your bottom line. Yeah. If you're at profitable levels and the market has come up, you need to be making an incremental sale. If the market goes down and you're below your cost of production, Not hold yet. off. Yeah. Right. 